Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to be talking, as I have been doing recently, uh, about Operation Barbarossa, uh, the biggest land invasion in human history, uh, the invasion of the Soviet Union by Nazi Germany. And uh, I want to talk about Stalin's response. So obviously this was an immense shock to Stalin and Stalin seems to have suffered some kind of nervous breakdown. Now, the interesting part about the story isn't the shock that Stalin uh, undergoes, the um, moment where reality crashes through denial, but what Stalin does afterwards. Stalin had delegated to Vyacheslav Molotov, his, his foreign minister, um, much of the uh, the day-to-day uh, running of things temporarily um, and had given him the role of uh, explaining to the Soviet people that the war uh, with Nazi Germany uh, had begun. There was a broadcast made at a quarter past 12 on the 22nd of June and uh, as as the, the days dragged on, Stalin met with uh, commanders and um, there were 29 uh, lengthy meetings about the, uh, the invasion, um, which Stalin uh, berated and criticised and tried to deflect. Um, there were some decisions made which were extremely important. The most significant of these in those uh, immediate discussions was the removal of an industrial plant uh, east of the Urals, out of bombing range. And this, in in many ways, is the key to Soviet survival, the recreation of uh, tank factories and aircraft factories uh, east of the Urals uh, created um, eventually an almost inexhaustible supply of munitions to to be shipped westwards uh, out of the, uh, again, the range of uh, German aircraft. Uh, The uh, other thing that was uh, thoroughly done 
by the Soviet state on the, uh, in, the, in the days after the invasion, again on Stalin's orders, with the removal of uh, political prisoners, those already in custody, those who the NKVD had their eye on, um, to uh, camps in the interior, and the execution of large numbers of prisoners who were deemed uh, either too dangerous to deport or um, too much of a, of a hindrance to support. So why go to the time and trouble of mass executions when you're facing the German army? To understand that one, you have to really drill down into uh, Stalinist thinking. Uh, Stalin well, had been obsessed throughout the 1930s that there were fifth columns um, and uh, internal uh, troublemakers, perhaps those who had never really accepted the revolution, those of enemy classes and um, enemy uh, parts of the party, um, uh, reactionary aspects to the party, um, that given half the chance, if there was a foreign invasion, would rise up against the Soviet Union. Here was a country that had been born of revolution and civil war, and here was an ideology that was steeped in the anxieties not just of uh, the Russian Revolution, but of uh, European revolutions dating all the way back to the French Revolution. As I've said before many a time, Stalin and Lenin were constantly mindful of the problems faced by Robespierre uh, and the Jacobin in the French Revolution and the uh, in civil wars and uprisings in places like the, the Vendée during the, the French Revolution. So the idea that there were all these um, troublemaking people and, and dangerous types who were really, you know, in, in exhausted, emaciated men and women stuck in prison cells what they were, they were of no threat whatsoever. But in the the Soviet imagination, the Stalinist imagination, these guys meet up with the, the Nazis if the Nazis manage to make it as far as uh, Moscow and you've got potentially uh, a puppet government waiting to depose Stalin and uh, overthrow the revolution. Uh, the reality was that uh, Hitler's plans for Russia were going to be far more barbaric even than that. Lots of those who were deported were men and women with German names um, and they were going to be persecuted even further uh, as the war dragged on. Um, privately owned radios were removed from houses. Um, there was to be, in Stalin's eyes, no further consumption of news information in a private space news would be delivered collectively in the workplace and in other uh, public places. Um, and this would be done in an ordered uh, way at strictly determined uh, times. Um, this meant that uh, when um, the, the news from the front came in um, and it was heard by Soviet citizens, Soviet citizens would dare not be critical or make their, their own minds up about what the news meant. They would, in a collective atmosphere, uh, respond the way the state wanted them to. Stalin was desperate to believe that, uh, for, for a couple of days, that the invasion had been a, a dreadful misunderstanding. Uh, this shows the extent to which Stalin was prepared and able to delude himself and, and kid himself. He had become so enamoured with the idea of an understanding with Hitler that might possibly, in Stalin's 
further imagination have blossomed into a full alliance uh, later on, that he had blinded himself to the realities of, of what Hitler had in mind. Um, there was um, the, the kind of the, the threads, the thinnest threads of uh, evidence from uh, Soviet agents in uh, European countries um, that there might be some kind of dialogue that can be had with um, the Germans um, where some kind of negotiated settlement could be had, but these were all um, these were all rejected by the Germans. Um, the uh, fateful day comes on the twenty eighth of June. On that day, Minsk falls uh, in Belarusia, and Stalin finally has his his kind of breakdown. He um, goes to his dasha in uh, outside Moscow. Um, and a uh, delegation, after hearing nothing from him for a day or two, a delegation visits uh, on the 30th, um, headed by Anastas Mikhoyan. Um, and Stalin believes that he is there to be uh, arrested and probably executed. Um, Stalin says to them, you know, comrades, why have you come? Um, believing that you know, he was wanting them to... Uh, kind of out themselves as conspirators against him. Um, and the dictator Stalin can't quite believe his luck when they arrive and they say, well, we need you to lead us. Uh, we believe that there should be essentially a military dictator for the war, a marshal. And he says, well, who do you have in mind? And they say, you, uh, comrade Stalin. And Stalin pulls himself together um, and leads with a broadcast on the 3rd of July to the Russian people. In this broadcast, he starts to drop the rhetoric of, uh, of class and really embrace the rhetoric of nation. Comrades, brothers and sisters, fighters of our army and fleet, I address you, my friends. Um, he mentioned, uh, not mentions, he demanded of um, Soviet citizens the, a great patriotic war. And the first act in that great patriotic war had to be uh, as uh, Tsar Alexander I had done um, in 1812 and the destruction of everything that the enemy could find useful, the scorched earth policy. And he spoke long before, uh, or days before at least, there was any suggestion of uh, an alliance with Britain he, uh, Stalin, spoke uh, directly as the British as potential allies and said that um, he, uh, that the Soviet Union and the British uh, and other still fighting nations should be um, part of a, a coalition, a united front of peoples standing for freedom. Obviously, uh, quite the, uh, the idea of freedom as in Stalin's eyes is really uh, quite a kind of uh, an obtuse one. Um, and then, from that moment on, Stalin seems to have regained his nerve. And it's this bit I find most interesting, that uh, Stalin has this dramatic turnaround. And one of Stalin's um, skills, really, is being able to uh, finally uh, pull it out of the bag when he realises there are no alternatives. It is um, either he becomes the war leader... Um, that he, he finally does become 
or he faces uh, overthrow and, and the firing squad, or he faces uh, German tanks in Moscow. At the end of the uh, Second World War, uh, Stalin, of all the uh, war leaders, was arguably, uh, in terms of his own goals and agenda, the most successful. Churchill um, failed to secure the freedom of Poland. He failed in the long term to secure the future of the empire. Uh, Roosevelt um, dies in 1945, um, and his successor Truman is uh, unable to overturn Soviet hegemony in uh, the in Eastern Europe. So Stalin, from this kind of weak and feeble position in June 1941, actually manages a kind of a, quite a, an, an epic turnaround of fortunes, however, drenching his own people in as much blood as Hitler did. Stalin um, became chairman of the Stavka, which was the Staff HQ, um, chairman of the State Committee for Defence, the People's Commissariat for Defence and the Transport Commission. And eventually, on the 8th of August, he promotes himself to being um, Supreme Commander of the Red Army. Roosevelt's uh, title um, in peacetime and wartime, as, as all US presidents uh, have been, is Commander-in-Chief of uh, the US um, forces, Armed Forces. And Churchill was not just Prime Minister, but also self-appointed Minister for Defence. And both Parliament and Congress, respectively, voted um, Churchill, both Churchill and Roosevelt, um, sort of extraordinary powers to um, prosecute. Uh, the course of the war. So all three uh, leaders of the, of the Grand Alliance became essentially de facto warlords, though obviously uh, Stalin was far more capable of retaining whatever powers he thought necessary thereafter. However, Stalin's fortunes wouldn't really change until late 1942, early 1943, when he took the wise decision to hand over uh, operations to his generals, Zhukov, uh, Konyev, uh, and, and others. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Realizing that he knew very little about um, the art of, of war. Uh, far less than, for example, his hated rival Trotsky had uh, learned during the Russian Civil War. Um, Stalin was opposed to retreats. His uh, demands that the Red Army stand and fight um, saw countless Red Armies, countless army divisions um, encircled by uh, the Wehrmacht, who were uh, masters of tank warfare, of highly mobile warfare, and encirclement and destruction was the key to their their operations. The um, idea that ground should be held to the last simply meant that uh, inexperienced soldiers who uh, were poorly equipped and poorly led were annihilated, and these were useful men who could be uh, thrown into battle at a, a later time. Um, men um, were frequently arrested and shot for uh, desertion, for retreating, and it was only uh, midway through the Second World War that Stalin realises that these approaches are not helping. On August uh, 16th, 1941, Stalin gave the order 270, um, which called for the execution of malicious deserters, as he put it, and the arrest of their families. Um, and it quoted, Those falling into encirclements are to fight to the last. Those who prefer to surrender are to be destroyed by all available means. And this was read out by um, army commissars uh, at uh, assemblies of soldiers, so the men knew what be- uh, awaited their families. If Not if they were um, deserted, but even if they were captured. Soviet prisoners who somehow managed to survive uh, treatment by the Germans um, and who were returned at the end of the war faced uh, at least an eight-year spell in the gulags for the crime of desertion. Some 168,000 civilians during the war were sentenced to death and executed uh, for um, cowardice and desertion. Now, these um, accusations cover up a a vast range of uh, different behaviours, whether these were people who were uh, kidnapped and forced to work in uh, the Third Reich, uh, or they were people who fled in the face of uh, the uh, uh, Nazi war machine, um, or they were people who were simply dislocated uh, by war and found themselves in different parts of the country without much of an explanation, Um, they uh, faced the most draconian of punishments. Stalin liked to keep civilians where they were. This was a great incentive for their their, um, uh, husbands and fathers and brothers to fight for them, and it was also um, a way of inducing the civilian population to fight alongside them. Some 300,000 Russian soldiers were executed by um, their their own army, um, which was a larger figure than the number of British soldiers who were killed by enemy action during the entirety of the Second World War. The fate of um, Soviet citizens 
who managed to escape from the uh, Wehrmacht and um, get back to um, their own lines was was equally bleak. Um, Soviet citizens or soldiers who were then captured by the NKVD um, as a result of having been in uh, Nazi captivity were um, put into suicide units, um, shock troops to be flung at the enemy lines um, by way of, of, of punishment. 47,000 deserters were detained in Moscow um, as the German army uh, approached and there were large numbers of executions for uh, a, a terror descended upon the city once more as citizens and soldiers were um, executed for uh, fascist agitation. Um, much of this was completely imagined and there was a, a kind of a strange uh, air of crisis in the city where uh, not only was this terror taking place, but as the German army approaches, uh, the, the belief that the Soviet regime has days to go and um, is about to be overthrown, or often has people uh, actually um, retaliating against NKVD officers um, uh, uh, in the absence um, of uh, state authorities. The state seems to be kind of close to uh, collapsing. Political officers were given the same powers as operational um, commanders, uh, and this is a, a significant problem in decision-making. Uh, soldiers understand about uh, military and strategic decision-making and ideally don't want a political commissaire there making political decisions which often run contrary to the needs of good military order or battlefield common sense. Um, and Stalin, like Hitler, was attempting to micromanage his um, his armies. Now, there's there's an interesting comparison here. So, I may have mentioned before that with the Wehrmacht um, and the the Kaiser army during World War One, the principle of Auftrag's tactic was what kind of uh, informed uh, German military success. Uh, Auftrag's tactic says basically sort of staff officers. Field marshals, senior generals, um, create the overall strategic picture, i.e. seize Paris. And it's down to divisional commanders on the ground, uh, brigadiers and colonels and those sorts of figures, to decide how their armies move and how they achieve the overall objective. But because uh, they are there in the field, they get to, to figure it out. Um, Hitler began to gradually erode Auftrag's tactic until um, the uh, general staff even have um, basically no room to manoeuvre and they are simply having to carry out um, Hitler's um, increasingly perverse orders um, whilst he is um, removed from, from the battlefield and divisional commanders um, are largely paralysed. Some are reported even having received phone calls from Hitler whilst in the field. Stalin, uh, working the same process uh, of micromanagement as we've just seen, he was the person that returns a kind of Auftrag's tactic to the army by suddenly seeing the benefits of allowing 
uh, not only the general staff but divisional commanders to get on with jobs and do what they're meant to do. Now the only reason that he was comfortable doing this was because he knew that there was a sufficient amount of terror um, uh, that could be inflicted that would uh, keep uh, generals and officers in line. Not that he particularly needed to, because following June 1941, the uh, Soviet army, the Red Army, uh, becomes largely motivated to repulse the enemy from Soviet soil. Soviet morale itself was obviously extremely low. Uh, Stalin had called for a partisan war, knowing his uh, armies on the Western Front um, against the uh, Wehrmacht had been destroyed. He called for partisan warfare to take on the enemy. But most Soviet citizens saw through this and saw it for the kind of the empty gesture that it was. Later in the war, obviously, it becomes um, a, a significant tool of war against Germany, but not, um, it would appear, in the first days of the war in 1941. The uh, hope that Stalin placed in Great Britain and then later in the, the USA is often not shared by Soviet citizens, and it's hardly surprising that they've been indoctrinated um, against uh, the capitalist powers for a long period of time. And it was uh, in living memory that it was British and American soldiers invading um, the uh, Soviet, uh, Soviet nation um, and not Germany. The great war correspondent Vasily Grossman, and I, I did do a thing on him a while back, uh, spoke of an encounter with a group of peasants. Um, behind the front line. And he wrote, They are crying. Whether they are riding somewhere or standing by the fences, they begin to cry as soon as they begin to speak. And one feels an involuntary desire to cry too. There's so much grief. An old woman thought she might see her son in the column that was trudging through the dust. She stood there until the evening and then came to us. Soldiers, take some cucumbers. Eat, you're welcome. Soldiers, drink this milk. Soldiers, apples. Soldiers, curds. Soldiers, please take this. And they cry, these women. They cry, looking at the men marching past them. Many of the young men in these columns were, of course, conscripts and had little enthusiasm for battle. Um, they were poorly educated. Uh, many of them were illiterate. Um, the uh, best soldiers that could be found were drafted into the NKVD. Um, but uh, which grew to 600,000 strong eventually. Um, but those who were from uh, the Ukraine, the Baltic states and Belarusia were seen as being too unreliable and too uh, potentially likely to embrace Nazism uh, and work with the invader. Uh, not that that was in any way true at all, um, that to be included in the NKVD. The real reason why they weren't included is obviously because on the, in the Baltic states and in the Ukraine and in Belarusia, uh, Stalinist terror had been at some in occasions as its most acute. So in an army where the officer corps had been purged and for the first few months the bewildered recruits were simply taught only how to, to march um, who often had no boots and very often had um, no rifles, who understood um, simply 
uh, about taking cover, but only when given the command to do so. So you had men standing still when being strafed by aircraft simply because they uh, were too frightened to do otherwise. Um, they understood uh, about um, very simple combat drill um, with uh, wooden uh, rifles, you know, obviously um, uh, wooden replica rifles, and understood um, the, the basic rudiments of trench digging, but basically nothing else. These were men who were on foot, there was no transport for them, and virtually no barracks. Um, the most important thing those soldiers had, and they learned to cherish it, was a bowl and a spoon. And they had only the experience of retreat up until um, midway through the war. And so it was very difficult to import, to have any kind of morale from these soldiers and that um, simply the predations of the enemy and the, the horrific actions of uh, the German army in Russia uh, eventually helped to build uh, that morale. Anyway, I hope you found this useful. Um, a little new feature we've got, I'm, I've created a uh, Explaining History Facebook group, so um, the uh, link to that should be uh, in this uh, the blurb under this podcast. Uh, if you want to talk about this podcast, discuss it, or get any feedback or advice on essays or anything like that, follow the link, join the group, and uh, let, the, let the conversation begin. Anyway, look forward to catching you all soon and uh, see you in the group and um, have, a, have a nice week. Bye-bye. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.